What's up? It's Casey here to let you know that we have something super cool. And if you don't know, now you know. We may be halfway through the live collective, but that doesn't mean that you can't still study with us. We have one month, two month, and four month video bundles available on our website at studynotesaba.com. You can watch all 20 of our most recently taught collectives on your own time. So time zones don't matter. Crying babies don't matter. Whatever you need, we got you with our video bundles. So head on over and check them out. Love you. Meet it. Study notes, ABA. ABA in a little X rated away. It's behavior, bitches. Hey guys, it's Liat. And Casey. And I am so excited to tell you guys that it is episode 91. Casey, what do you have for us for episode 91? All right, ready? Episode 91, Catching Babies is fun. We do it all the time. Our, our guest does it, okay? Not us. We admit it. Like, our guest is going gonna, is gonna to talk about that. So... I'm very excited for our guest today, but before we get started telling you about our guest, we have to start with our review of the day. You know what gets us pumped up? We actually took one week off of podcasting, so we haven't come into contact with reinforcement in the past week, so this is going to increase the value for us of this amazing con- – I hope you do the review case that you just got. That was to you specific. Oh, it's so embarrassing. <laughs> Should I read it? Yeah. Okay. So Casey got this review and she's so modest that she's not going to read it, but I loved it. So I'm going to pull it up real quick. Sorry, Casey. I know you probably have one No, I'm truly flattered. I just, I was like, what in the world? I want to meet this person. So this review is from Jessica Lauren. Um, I hope I'm saying that right because it's a very unique spelling. Says, when asked... Who are your heroes? Responses can vary from Martin Luther King to Abraham Lincoln to Eleanor Roosevelt. But when I am asked this very question, my simple response is Casey. And I took a screenshot of this to send to Casey last night. And this morning, she's like, Leah, you won't believe this review we got. And I'm like, roll with it, girl. That is so cool. So Casey, you do deserve the recognition. I'm even willing to give up some of my own reinforcement this week because I do agree that you are amazing. Your story's amazing. Um, what makes you you is pretty effing amazing. So we love you, Casey. Lauren, thanks for giving her that reinforcement. My it cheeks is- are literally like burning. Like I feel like I'm that like little child when you're like someone says something good about you and you're just like so excited and you're just like flustered, but also super appreciative. So thank you. And if my crazy ass life can be any sort of a hero to anyone, I'm happy to be here. So thank you, Lauren. Jessica, Jessica, Lauren. Thank you. Definitely. All right. So our guest today. Well, first of all, I'm excited for our guest today because I finally came out. When you're hearing this, I probably, hopefully, please God, will be further along uh, with the fact that I'm pregnant, that I waited literally 23 weeks to tell any of you guys, which I do not hold secrets like that. If you guys remember last time I was pregnant, I t- said it on week six because I like thought I got permanently dumb. So I was like, I think I need to let them know that I'm not just this dumb. There's something going on. 
But then I thought it was bad luck. So now that I'm out and about about it, um, we actually were going to do this episode before I even was going to tell anyone. But we have someone very special. And this person is actually my OBGYN. You guys are going to be like, what, Liat? This is nuts. We're going to talk about my entire anatomy. No, I'm kidding. Um, we are. <laughs> Everyone's like, talk and about- turns the podcast off. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to talk about my herpes that are currently in full activation right now. And no, I'm kidding. This is really cool. Casey's going to tell you what we're going to talk about. And Casey, take it away. All right. So um, Dr. Hetchanova. I hope I'm saying that correctly. We go, we just call him Dr. Hatch, but um, he, yes, he's an OBGYN with 10 years experience. Um, He got his undergrad at Baylor University, went to med school at UT Health Science Center and completed his residency training at UT Southwestern. That is a big effing deal. Um, Also something that him and I have in common, uh, we were both spin instructors so that is one of my favorite things. Um, and his husband and him, Jesse, they live in Dallas, Texas with their adorable son, Oscar. And the topic today is actually about surrogacy. So Dr. Hetch, welcome to the show. Hey, Casey. Hey, Liat. Good morning. Hey, everyone. It's so exciting to be here with you guys. First of all, thank you. Because I, I know it's it's a little bit weird of a request. Like if a patient is like, hey, I have this podcast called Behavior Bitches would you mind coming on? And I am known for crossing a line or two. I think people have to like set boundaries with me. Like when I saw him on Instagram, I'm like, dude, I have to have you on the podcast. Is that cool? And please don't kill me that I'm messaging you. Um, So thank you for coming on. Of course. I remember when you asked and the answer is always yes, because honestly, this is something I wish more people were just transparent about. Um, the more we can talk about surrogacy and kind of this modern way of becoming parents is 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 just better for everyone involved. You know, I did. I was doing some research, and that's one of the biggest things is cre- like talking about it and getting rid of the stigma. And you know, there is you know things that come up with surrogacy, whether it's cultural differences or different risks, um, and it's just you know. As someone, and Dr. Hutch and I have also talked about my experience with PCOS and like, you know, starting trying and it's difficult and, you know, it's something I've kind of always like been like, okay, if nothing, I can, you know, I can do that. I can find that way. Um, But so, yeah, tell us a little bit about your like experience, who you are and what brought you to today. Yeah. So um, it's kind of an interesting experience, which is in the fact that I take care of women all day, every day, and I take care of their pregnancies all day, every day, as Liat just mentioned. Um, but it was a whole new adventure um, becoming a dad. Um, and it the, the hurdle in the mountain that we had to climb is I have a husband, right? So mm-hmm. I'm sure everyone, if they want to remember their freshman biology 101 anatomy, um, but basically two XY chromosomes really can't make a baby, right? Um, I don't have a uterus, Jesse doesn't have a uterus. Um, so we need to look in at alternate alternative ways really to have a baby. Now it's not just two guys who go through this, right? Um, for example, I actually have a brand new patient this past week who has something called MRKH syndrome. I won't get into the hairy details of that, but she was basically born without a uterus. So she and her husband want to have a baby and they basically went through the whole process, have a surrogate and came and saw me and I'm now taking care of their pregnancy via their surrogate. Um, But 
basically back to my story is we knew when we got married back in 2018 that being dads was on our radar. Um, it's something we've always wanted to do. And we started the process of uh, finding an egg donor, finding a surrogate, and then ultimately finding an OBGYN and then delivering um, our kiddo here in Dallas, Texas. And now we have a six month old and that's the, that's the abridged version of the story. You were not the OB for your son. That is correct. You know, speaking of, you know, crossing boundaries and fine <laughs> lines, I <laughs> I knew that as much as I would love to take care of our surrogate, um, I needed to have someone else um, take care of her to remain some, you know, objectivity in the situation. So um, we had another doctor who's actually another doctor in my practice here in Dallas at UT Southwestern who took care of our surrogate. So, you know, Jesse and I actually went to every single prenatal care appointment um, and then were there for the delivery as well. I wonder if they were like petrified when you came in because, so for example, not to compare any of this to my dog, but I'm going to have to bring Pavlov in. <laughs> he is like literally the shittiest trained dog ever. And I know it's like my job is to do behavior, but I'm like, I finally decided I have got to get a dog trainer, especially now that I'm going to be having a kid and he's not great around babies. And mm -hmm. I was like, I am not objective at all. I cannot do this. And so I, I do think it's very important to have someone step away. But the thing is, I wonder if the doctors were nervous when you come in the room because so my brother has autism and I'm a behavior analyst, you know, so like I would sometimes go to his session and I could literally see they're like, oh, my God, like there's she actually knows what I'm going to be talking about. So shit. Um, <laughs> but I wonder if they'd be like, oh, no. I mean, well, even I though at say, UT Southwestern, you're in good hands. Well, yeah. And I'm, I will say, you know. I'm going to flip the script a little bit and say, I take care of a lot of the doctors and nurses and residents and fellows who are my patients. And one of my mantras is whenever they're in, in my exam room, sitting on the chair opposite for me, they are a patient. They're not a doctor. They're not a resident. They're not a nurse. I, I treat them all equal, you know? Um, and I think, and our doctor did that for us too, you know, especially Jesse, because Jesse doesn't know any medical terminology, doesn't know anything about pregnancy. So it was wonderful to go to someone and kind of just be the patient for once and not be the doctor in the room. I love that. For somebody who doesn't understand the process that you and Jesse went through with, you know, sperm and eggs and like, I don't. So can you explain it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you're exactly right. Um, it's it's kind of mind boggling to think of how did we get to this final product, right, which is our son Oscar. So I'll kind of start from the beginning. Um, the first step is obviously Jesse and I are both we both have sperm, but we needed an egg, right? To make a baby, you need a sperm and an egg. So we needed to go hunting for an egg. And it's not as easy as you think um, to find an egg donor. So there are a lot of options in front of uh, in front of you. So we actually even considered family members, cousins, females in our family. Um, but truthfully, for a variety of reasons, there were not any good um, candidates. So we went to a egg donor agency, of which there are many all across the United States and frankly, all across the world. Um, so we used an egg donor agency. And y'all, it's literally like Match.com, but creepier. Um, <laughs> you um, and I say that I no disrespect to Match or anything. I, Jesse and I met um, through an internet through OkCupid. If y'all are familiar with that, yeah. I'm probably dating myself when I say that, um, or aging myself. That's how I Anyways. met my husband. So it's fine, not oh. on there, but J Swipe. Yes. But yes, same virtual. Shit. Oh, and yes, that's, that's, our producer chimed in. That's how we met his wife. See? Oh, see, that's that we're see. Thank you, thank you for not making me feel old. <laughs> um, okay, 
So anyways, so we had to go find an egg um, or eggs, plural. And we went through an, uh, an egg uh, donor agency here in the uh, U.S. And long story short, you look at profiles online and you see their pictures, their childhood pictures, their brothers and sisters pictures. You learn their mom and dad's occupations, their religion, their SAT scores, their GPA currently in college if they're in college, um, their STD history, their sexual history. I mean, these this is an egg that you're using to be the, the biological mother, if you will, of your child. So uh, there's a lot of vetting that goes on. So I'll pause there, but that was the first step. Okay, that's amazing. And also, before we continue going, while I remember, I just want to give any of you guys listening who want to know what likely behavioral principles we will cover today. Oh, wait, I'm supposed to do this as a robot. Behavioral principles, we have preference, preference assessments, ontogenic selection, phylogenic selection, social significance of behaviors to benefit you, pivotal behaviors, and I'm sure there's going to be a shit ton more. Oh, and definitely CMOSs, Condition Motivating Operations for Surrogate. Um, you know, when something else becomes a conditioned MO. But we'll get into that further. But okay, so we had your first thing you said, number one. You literally, so it doesn't seem like it's like this really, I think I imagine it to be like you're in this medical center and you're like choosing these like you know, this futuristic choosing through these different, I don't know, <laughs> eggs or whatever it, it is, is, but it's actually, you're like on a website. Literally sitting on the couch with the MacBook open, scrolling through egg donor profiles, like swiping left and swiping right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So when you're doing this, did you know ahead of time? Okay. So first of all, were you like, I would like it to look something like us? Okay, so good question. That was actually very important to us. So we might, for those listening, and you don't know who my husband is, he's, he's Mexican. My husband's Mexican, and I'm Filipino-American. So a Filipino-American and a Mexican-American. And to be very honest, we didn't want, you know, a, a, a child that was half Caucasian. We basically wanted our child to, to mirror our phenotypes, if you will. So we definitely kind of narrowed our selections down to basically Filipino, Filipina women or Mexican women, because we wanted to blend our cultures together for our child. And so that's exactly to your point, Liat, that's what we did first was kind of narrow down by, by phenotype and ethnicity. Okay. That's, that's interesting. So that was number one. Now mm -hmm. you're look. so are you literally seeing everything? So let's say like I was an egg donor. It could be like this. <laughs> This bitch has lupus, scleroderma, Raynaud's, anxiety meds. Like you can literally see everything. Correct. So then you look at their medical history and you're exactly right. So um, we, we looked for someone who was generally healthy, who didn't have a lot of medical conditions. You know, um, that you look into uh, substance abuse history, drugs, alcohol, smoking, tobacco, etc. And um, all those factors come into play. Um, you want, of course... Um, the healthiest eggs possible, if you will, um, right. and the, the least amount of medical uh, illnesses to pass down to your child. So yes, their entire medical history is all fair game. You're running like a thing. I was going to say, you're running out. like a giant preference assessment, basically, like we do in <laughs> ABA, but you're doing it with egg donors, like to see which one's going to be the best one. 
for your future child. That's a huge decision. I feel like I would be so stressed out. It is stressful. And, you know, I think critics of this process might say you're kind of creating a designer baby. Like you could, you know, mm -hmm. put like we have a puggle, right? And everyone jokes that our puggle is a designer puppy because it's a pug and beagle mix and he's the cutest thing ever. But this is also your child, right? So you also, you know, more so than it being a designer baby, you're really making sure that you create the healthiest human being possible, right? right? Um, so that is, that is a huge undertaking. And there, there was a lot of, you know, definitely a lot of anxiety going into that. Because what I'm thinking is this, right? So let's say, and everyone knows all my health issues, but whatever it is, and I don't know which of them are actually genetic and which aren't, but so I'm thinking, okay, my mom and dad met each other, right? They fell in love with each other. They loved each other for who each other are. And it might be like, okay, like every, like sometimes, you know, you'll have a kid who has this because our, someone in my family, not mine personally, but I'm saying like someone in our family had diabetes or someone had this. And it's kind of like, because, but you have like this love of like for better or worse. So like, mm -hmm. that's one thing, right? I mean, and of course right. you still would like a healthy child, obviously. Correct. Correct. But that's one thing. But like, I completely understand if you're not with this person for romantic reasons, it does seem like almost like a larger anxiety of, okay, but like if I'm literally using this person for their genetic makeup, I Correct. want to choose what is going to be the best and healthiest. Like, you know what I mean? Right. And I should also add that this egg donor is a completely anonymous person, right? So I don't know her identifying criteria. I don't know where she lives. How I, I know how old she is, but I don't know where she lives. I don't know what she's studying. I mean, I don't, I don't know anything. We cannot connect outside of the fact that she donated. So you can't see what they us. look like? So no, yes, there. Okay. That's that's no. I I I should say we definitely saw tons of pictures. So I know okay. visually. So if I was you know at I don't know sitting at a bar and she was next to me, I probably would be like, oh shit, you're the mom of my child. <laughs> <laughs> but like nothing like you couldn't um, get in touch with her. Basically, is the, the we cannot get in touch. There's no connecting information, and it's it's definitely a closed process with the egg donor. Um, she is able to be. She is notified once one of her eggs. It, ends up being a live born child, but that's, that's it. She doesn't know the name of our child, where he or she was born, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, wait. So that person is diff. So the egg donor is different than the surrogate. Yes. So that is a common, that's a very good question. And that's a common misperception that, you know, a lot of people think that the egg donor is also the surrogate. So the egg donor is a totally different human being. And once she donated her eggs and went through that whole process and we froze those eggs, she's out of the picture. And then in comes the surrogate who is a totally different female. Do you have to choose the surrogate too? Yes. So there's a lot of swiping right and swiping left too. <laughs> um, there's a whole different agency for surrogates only. So we had a surrogate agency connect us with our surrogate, who is a lovely and amazing human being. I just saw her yesterday, actually, because she is still pumping breast milk for us. And that's an open no, relationship. You guys literally, your freezer you posted on Instagram. <laughs> I messaged Dr. Hetch yesterday and I'm like, is this a normal amount of milk? I was like, save me some, homie. <laughs> <laughs> it is a ton of milk and um, our, our, our surrogate is a, quote, overproducer. Um, she, she, in fact, for her own pregnancies, for her own children, she apparently breast pumped enough milk for her own kids and, and extra to donate to another kid. So long story short, uh, we struck gold with her and we have an open relationship. She 
um, gets to see Oscar. We send her pictures like almost daily um, and text back and forth. She's an amazing human being. I have a question about that. And this might be, you know, just ignorance or whatever. But do you guys consider her mom? Does she consider herself mom? How does that work? Or is it just like you're just the surrogate and once that's done, you know what I mean? Yeah, no. So that's a great question and not an ignorant one. But no, we do not use the term mom with our kiddo, nor do we plan to. He has two dads. Mm -hmm. um, and as he grows up and gets to know her, that's that's um, our surrogate. Um, she actually affectionately calls they call each other. She calls him her belly buddy uh, for nine months. <laughs> so he was her belly buddy for nine months. Um, and that's that's kind of the okay. extent of the, the at least the nomenclature of their relationship. And it makes sense. Absolutely. Like, because like, that's would be so confusing for the kid, right? Like, correct. You're like, correct. no, it's you have we're your parents, we're your two dads. And this is the process that we went through to have you with a surrogate, but never introducing uh -huh. that term mom. Yeah. And that's a, that's a process that I will say Jesse and I are still learning too. You know, every, like probably the most commonly asked question is what are your names? What are you guys calling each other? And we didn't have an answer to that question. You know, like we're just his dads, but we realized he probably needs some sort of name to recognize me and some sort of name to recognize Jesse. Um, so we've settled on daddy and poppy since he's Mexican. It kind of works. It's cute and it works well, but um but then, you know, we're still, we're going to learn as we go what it means to be two dads to a baby, right? Who doesn't have a quote mother figure mm -hmm. growing up. Um, and that's something we're going to, as a family, we're going to learn as we go. I just want to say the, I texted Liana a screenshot of you and um, Jesse's, it must've been your anniversary, but I'm like, their love that they have is so beautiful. Like that baby is like going to be freaking just set with love for life. Just to see that how much <laughs> love you and Jesse have for each other. I'm like, I want this. <laughs> so I want to ask something interesting, which, okay. So we obviously know that two sperm cannot win the race, right? You can't be like, oh, we're going to make it twins, actually, because you'd need two eggs, right? <laughs> Correct. So I think I know where you're going with this, but let me back up and say this. So we both donated sperm to create embryos, right? So the embryo is the connection, is the joint connection of an egg and a sperm. Um, so we got just hypothetically, cause I actually don't even remember off the top of my eggs, off the top, off the top of my head. Do you see what I just did there? Not on the top of my eggs, <laughs> on the top of my head. She gave, <laughs> she gave us, um, she was able to donate, let's say 20 eggs. And so what we did is we fertilized 10 with my sperm and 10 with Jesse's sperm, half and half. So it's not really a matter of which sperm won the race, if you will. We lit, we intentionally divided 50% mine and 50% his. Wait, so of those 10, and how long can an egg stay fertilized? Can you freeze a fertilized egg? Forever. There was actually um, a pregnancy. It just made the national headlines because I think it was an egg that was frozen like 20 or 30 years ago in the initial stages and of And fertilized? IVF. Yeah. Yes. You can, you can freeze eggs and you can freeze embryos. Wow. Correct. Did you freeze more than one? We did. We, we have a handful. We call them my hetchicles because they're just frozen <laughs> in a freezer in Plano, Texas or something like that. That's okay, so funny. So right up the street from me. Cool. I'll check on them. If yes. You go go check okay. on my hetchicles. <laughs> so, okay. So you have these out of the 10. Not all of them would necessarily work, right? Is that how it works? 
That's correct. Some of them don't make it. So you want to um, basically watch these fertilized embryos and make sure they grow um, into grade A embryos or like the best possible embryos. And some of them don't make it through the fertilization process. So you actually lose some. And and I will say caveat, timeout, caveat, I am not an IVF doctor. So I am, I'm telling you this just from my general OBGYN knowledge and also my my from knowledge going okay <laughs> <laughs> exactly i'm not you actually you have to go through a separate three extra years of training to do fertility and our our fertility doctor here in dallas is an amazing human being also but anyways that was my caveat um some of them don't make it through the process so yes you lose some of those 10 and then on top of that uh, we did something called pgd which is called pre-implantation genetic diagnosis so we actually tested these embryos to make sure that the chromosomes were normal um because, you know, you're spending a lot of money and going through a lot of time and effort to go through this, you know, I would argue why, why implant an embryo that has a chromosomal problem, if you could right. save yourself time and money. So we, we did that. Now that's a little controversial. Some people really believe in not doing PGD because A, it's expensive and B, you know, you get into the whole playing God concept of, you know, should you be picking and choosing? Um, but, you know, for me and a lot of other people, it, it makes sense both emotionally and financially to test these in, a, in advance. So you, you increase your probability of success when you transfer an embryo. Yep. So, and how soon can you see if the embryo, or can you not do it in this phase? And I'm sorry if I sound stupid for any parts of it. I do behavior, not uh, genetics or <laughs> biology. But could you, did you know you wanted to have a boy? So that's a great question. They do, um, they do when they do that PGD testing. They also test for the presence or the absence of the Y chromosome. So we knew from the embryo stage how many boys and how many girls we have. So all those hedgesicles in the freezer, we know their genders, which I'm not going to share with you today. I hope that's okay. That's totally fine. It's okay. So you can whisper it to me. You can whisper it to me at my be... appointment next week. You could whisper. I'm yeah, just I can do that. I, <laughs> yeah, I'll kidding. tell you privately, but I have to. You know. Jesse, no, no, Jesse, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Jesse wears the pants. He's going to, he, he says, don't tell the genders of our embryos. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you got to have some surprise factor. Yep. Um, that is so amazing. So then, is it, okay, so assuming it's it's one woman and one man having a child, okay? So like, let's say mm-hmm. it's me and Ellie Ron. There's first of all about whether the fact that I'm able to create an egg right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's like part one. And that'd be like the gene part of it, right? Correct. Then do s- some people have difficulty in the middle part of the carrying, right? So there could have been an issue there too for you, technically. That's correct. So that's where we picked a carrier, which actually the other name, the better name for a surrogate in our scenario is what's called a gestational carrier. She's carrying the pregnancy for us. Um, and we look at her medical history and her surgical history and, and her substance abuse history and all that kind of stuff too. Like that's another vetting process that takes place. But you're exactly right. If we're talking about a male and a female combination here, uh, the first step is making sure you can get viable eggs from that female. And then the next step, of course, is making sure that that female can carry the pregnancy and is healthy enough to carry the pregnancy. So some of the couples I take care of are traditional heterosexual men and women couples, uh, but they're using a surrogate because the, the woman cannot carry the pregnancy because of a medical condition um, or, or a surgical condition. I mean, I think this is so amazing to even hear about these multiple options. You know, I think that um, 
especially in whether we're talking about like same sex couples or anyone having mm-hmm. like fertility issues at all. I, I think it's, first of all, it's such a sensitive area. Like Casey and I talk about it a lot. Um, because the thing was, I always told Casey from the beginning, I assumed that I was not going to be able to get pregnant from the get go. So like, I already had this whole plan with Casey, like it's perfect. You'll carry my baby. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'd always tell her. And so, but just to understand that there are these options out there, I think is so important for anyone listening, especially because Casey and I are so open about different, um, just really anything we're going through on the podcast. So I get a lot of messages from people, you know, like I've been trying for this long or I've been, or Casey, you probably get a lot more on the behavior bitches side. Mm-hmm. And just to know that there are these options and and just to humanize it, like, no, we sat on our couch with our MacBook like swiping left or right, you know, everything seems so like far-fetched, like, oh, only Kim Kardashian's doing that. Correct. And and to be honest, that's how we felt going into it. You know, like you only see surrogates on an episode of the Kardashians and seeing Kim Kardashian, you know, with a surrogate and we're like, dang, can we even afford this? Is this even a reality for us? And the truth of the matter is, people are doing it all day, every day. Um, and it is a viable option, you know? Um, and you're exactly right. You're exactly right. We thought it was far-fetched, but then going through the process, you realize it's not as far-fetched as it sounds. What are some of the like most common risks associated with surrogacy that you, maybe you and Jesse were kind of discussing or fears that you had or anything like that? Um, I'm going to answer that from a non-medical standpoint, because I think a lot of the fears people have with surrogacy is, oh my gosh, is this woman going to go crazy and just claim this baby as her own and run away? And that's, I think that's an actual very valid fear um, because you're someone else is carrying this baby for you, right? In a traditional pregnancy, in a traditional husband and wife scenario, the wife or I, I shouldn't even say wife, the partner, the woman is carrying the pregnancy and is at home right? So you're feeling the baby move. Your partner can reach over and touch your belly and feel the baby move. Mm -hmm. The flight risk really isn't there that much. But in our minds, you know, this woman is carrying our pregnancy. And in our particular scenario, she lives about an hour north. Who knows what she's eating, how she's behaving, if she's getting on a plane to Mexico and never coming back, you know, like there's so many uncertainties. And I think that more so than medical risks is probably the leading risk when people think about surrogacy. So it's about a, you know, obviously building trust with this person who is otherwise a stranger to you before this process. And then B, and this is the big one, um, making sure you have all the right legal um, procedures done, right? Getting a good lawyer who knows uh, family and surrogacy and adoption and gestational carrier laws in the state of Texas or whatever state you live in and making sure they're involved from the beginning all the way to the end. Um, even halfway, you know, even be- before we started this process, a lawyer drafted paperwork for us. We signed paperwork all along the way. The social worker in the hospital had a copy of our legal documents halfway through the pregnancy to make it very clear that this baby, although it's inside her body, belongs to us. I think my other fear, I think we talked about this in the interview before, my thing would be like, I'd want to, I'm also a very big control freak, but I'd be like worried that what if they like did, you know, I don't know, drank or did drugs or like were around people that were smoking and then their secondhand smoke or like 
There's just always yeah. like not taking COVID seriously. Like, oh, they're going out and partying with this. And because it's also an investment for you at that point, whether it get, I'm assuming whether it gets to the, the 40 weeks or whatever, like a healthy stage to deliver, you're not like getting a financial guarantee, are you? No. In, in fact, I mean, you, you lose money regardless, right? You pay her to do this for you. Um, and it's, it's a huge gift. Don't get me wrong, but there is a financial, um, investment and there's a huge emotional investment too. Um, uh, but you're exactly right, Casey, you know, you can't, there's only so much you can control your surrogates not living in the house with you. So you, there has to be a certain leap of faith and like a certain amount of trust, mm -hmm. um, in her. Um, I will say all those things you mentioned are actually written into the contract before the process even starts. So, you know, no alcohol, no smoking, um, you know, in our contract, for example, although this is kind of a thing of the past, there was a, a, a little clause in there that said no travel to a place where Zika is a thing. If y'all remember the Zika yeah, scare uh -huh. from like two or three years ago, that's not really a much of a thing anymore um, that we're worried about. But yeah, Leah, to your point about COVID, you know, I'm sure that our, our contract existed pre-COVID, but I'm sure contracts now have all sorts of COVID language in it um, to avoid large gatherings and get vaccinated, et cetera, et cetera. I was going to say now wow. instead of the clause of saying don't travel to this, it'd be like, please do not leave your house for the nine months duration. Thank you. <laughs> mm -hmm. like everything Although I will say our, our surrogate was pregnant. You know, we deli Oscar delivered last July 2020. So we were right in the thick of things when it comes to COVID. So that was another element of concern for us. But thankfully, our surrogate, our gestational carrier is a rock star and used all the precautions and was super careful and all that good stuff. So when your son was born, you guys were able to be in the hospital room with, with yeah. him and him. So it's a joint decision between, you know, the surrogate and the couple, uh, we call our, the legal term for what we are called intended parents. We were the intended parents. Um, some surrogates prefer that, you know, because of modesty issues and all that stuff that the, the intended parents are not in the room. But again, our surrogate allowed us to be in the room and we literally were in the room next to her as she pushed Oscar out. Amazing. That's and so lucky special. you were in Texas because all these, a lot of these other places have not let anyone in the room, right? I You're think. right. Yeah. You're right. And also, I mean, we're lucky that our surrogate lives geographically near us, right? Many times um, a surrogate, like I take care of a surrogate who um, lives here in Dallas, but the intended parents live in Chicago. So, and if she comes in and labor, just spontaneously and just comes in, you know, ready to push a baby out. Obviously the, the parents can't make it here from Chicago that fast. Right. So we were lucky that we lived basically in the same city as our surrogate. Was that just luck or you chose that too? A little bit of both. Um, she kind of landed in our laps, but the fact that she lived about an hour North was, was luck. Correct. Is this something that like she would do again? Do you know? Yeah, I'm hopeful. I mean, I think she wants to do a couple more, you know, we call them surrogate journeys and carry a couple more pregnancies. And she truthfully has been an amazing surrogate. So I'm I'm hopeful for our, we can put another one or two hetzicles in the oven. Oh, I love this. <laughs> I love awesome. this too. <laughs> My question just backs up to when you met the surrogate. Like how many times did you guys meet? What was that? Or did you not like meet yeah, a person? Yeah, good question. No, our first meeting was a Skype meeting. Um, so we met virtually, which was, you know, pre-COVID. Um, we, we met virtually and there was kind of an instant connection. She was just a really, you know, super awesome, effervescent, 
really open transparent person and we we jived from the get-go um you know it was also important to us that whoever was carrying our child was definitely open and had zero qualms with carrying a child for two dads mm -hmm. you know unfortunately you know I, I have to be blunt and say we live in texas and not everyone feels that way and that sucks Yep. Um, but thankfully our surrogate, um, <laughs> grew up in Seattle and is totally cool with two dads. Um, so she was totally on board. Um, but that was important for us. And then we met several times. We would go to lunch together. We obviously we went to every appointment, so we would see each other for every appointment, but then honestly COVID happened. So it actually limited our interactions, um, during the end of the pregnancy, we would just see each other for appointments, but now right. we see each other every month to pick up milk. <laughs> That's so amazing. So what what I want to know just I I know we're almost hitting an hour but so you know in our behavior all this stuff we talk our language we talk all the time. You know, we talk about a lot of like um ontogenic selection, you know, things that over life that are learned, then we talk about like phylogenic and same with, you know, and that has to do more with um you know, we talk about reflexes and things that are, you know, along the lines of from generation to generation, right? Like you're born with it. And so I just want to know, is there anything that, I mean, I was trying to think of examples. So like the suckling reflex, right? So did she, first of all, did she breastfeed from the first moment? No. So that's an option. And we chose not to physically have him breastfeed, but she pumped from the beginning. She actually pumped even technically before labor, but that's a different story. Um, but she pumped from the beginning. So he's been exclusively bottle fed um, for since he was born. And is there anything that I, because I was trying to think of things. I'm like, what minus, a, let's say a breastfeeding factor, which like even myself as a female, I, I won't be able to breastfeed either. But is there anything that like maybe we wouldn't think of that is different than either like, you know, from a phylogenic level in terms of like, oh, I guess that's natural, but or like things that are more operant, like learned along the way of. I, I don't, don't know. I don't know if I'm this answers your question. Okay, let's try. Because I don't really know what I'm asking either. So like, let's <laughs> see if we can take it somewhere. Let's see if this answer brings you somewhere because this might be where you're going. Um, she she asked us early on if there was any certain music or foods she would prefer us to eat and listen to while she was pregnant with him. Although she was not going to be raising him as a child, um, there, you know, there, she asked those questions because, and I do believe this for my patients and obviously my son, that the things, the actions you do while your baby is in utero do have consequences and affect um, your kiddo when he's born, he or she is born and later in life. Um, the best example I can think of currently is my son is in love with peanut butter. And apparently our surrogate was just, is was a huge peanut butter eater in pregnancy. Um, whether that's true, true, unrelated or true, true, related, I don't know the answer to that, but I like to think that there is a relation, you know? Um, that's cool. You know, I love, I personally am a kind of a, I love classical music and, you know, I don't know how much he got to listen to in utero, but that's something I mentioned and he loves, he loves that, um, you know, stuff like that. So I think there is, 
and there is research and, and evidence to show that things that that you do while you're pregnant do the, the baby can pick up on whether it's sounds foods um, and things like that um, after the baby's born what is your um and you don't have to answer this but i just like i like this topic is like nature versus nurture like it's such a you know what is your kind of take on that especially with oh my gosh i know it's a loaded question i, I like to end with loaded questions it's just <laughs> Casey, that is a loaded question. And I don't know the answer other than to say, I think there's, there's gotta be a mixture of both, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I, you know, being a gay male, for example, I don't think is a, is a learned thing by any chance. I know, I I firmly believe that there's some sort of chromosome somewhere that led me down that path. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that that's, that's, I can't, that's just a piece of my DNA and I can't, tell you that any otherwise. So I think from in that perspective, that leans me one direction, but at the same time, you know, so many things, even in Oscar's first six months, I'm just noticing just the sweetest things he does that I know are learned behaviors um, over since he was, since he was born, you know, like the, the, the sweetest thing I love, probably my favorite thing he does right now is every night I read him a bedtime story before he goes to bed. And he knows after I'm finished speaking to reach out and grab the, the page of the book and turn it to the next page, right? That's obviously, I mean, Learned. you guys are the behavior behavior experts. I was going to say, uh, well, experts. Like, that behavior has been, you've somehow, maybe inadvertently, you've reinforced that behavior, right? So now right. he's like, it's going to continue and going to increase the more you, correct? whether you were like, good job, or you were like, clap. That's exactly you. the question I was trying to ask Case, but I took it like way too deep. I meant nature versus <laughs> nurture, not phylogenic. <laughs> I, I was just trying to sound like a smart asshole, yeah. you know. You're using words I do not understand. I was like, you guys speak a different language I was going to say, stop <laughs> using the jargon on him. Stop calling it jargon. <laughs> it's jargon, damn it. Okay. I vote jargon. Our, I vote jargon. Jargon. Okay, I said jargon. I need this to, like, is our really... like biggest this is our <laughs> biggest this is when the bitches get into a bitch fight over jargon. Oh, I love it. I love it. So, yeah. Uh, that was just my my kind of question. I'm like, and that's going to, you know, we're all born with different reflexes and different respondent behavior that, you know, is unlearned. But when you look at the the history of learning or the, you know, contingencies that you come into contact with, with Oscar, like, you guys are there to be the ones to teach him, to be the ones to reinforce the behaviors that you want to see, the sweet behaviors, like no matter what he was actually born with. You know what I mean? Right. Yes. Right. And, you know, it, that begs, that begs, I, I should say this, you know, there, we, there were definitely some thoughts in our heads, you know, and everybody, I think it's a natural fear, you know, uh, he's carried in a woman's womb, but he has two dads. So like, is there something that's going to be missing behavioral wise by not having a mom? And honestly, we just pour so much love on him. I mean, he knows his dads, you know, when we, when I come home from work, he greets me with the biggest smile. He knows I'm dad, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know that he's looking for a mom per se, you know, he just knows us as the two people in his life that love him the most. And that equals parents, right. Regardless of our gender. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, I think moving forward, that's the approach we have. And we're, like I said earlier in the podcast, we're we're learning too as we go, you know. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, I think your family's absolutely beautiful, and I love your story. Um, and don't worry, I'll be hitting you up for more um, <laughs> fertility, personal consulting. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I'm always here. I'm happy to help. <laughs> so yes, Leah, do you have anything else before we end? 
No, I'm just so excited we were able to do this. And I think it's such an awesome topic. And I hope that anyone listening, whether as a result of being a same-sex marriage or honestly, the amount of things that, the amount of roadblocks in the way of a lot of people, you know, even trying to have a child or anything along the way, I think it's just cool that just to be educated on these different things. Cause I think again, so many things to us seem so far fetched, like that, that wouldn't happen for me. I couldn't do that. Like there's no way to even do that unless you are a Kardashian and a bazillionaire. And I, I think it's really cool to hear someone who is living a normal life doing this very thing and keeping a hedge to coals for later to continue to grow the the family. And I think it's really awesome. So thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure, you all. Anytime. Thanks for having me. All right, Case. That's a wrap. Guys, you know where to find us. You can find us on BehaviorBitches.com, Facebook at BehaviorBitchesPodcast, Instagram at BehaviorBitchesPodcast, or you could support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash behavior bitches podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, love ya. Mean it. Hey guys, it's Liat and Casey. We just want to take a second to let you know that if you're thinking of being a millennial like us and starting your own podcast, there is a way. You can do your show without having to become an audio editing and production wizard. Because guess what? We don't know shit with that. But we have Alan at Pretty Easy Podcast who helped us get started. He records our shows. He posts them. He adds awesome, awesome music and cool shit when we don't even know what he's doing. He sends us teaser episodes. He does it all. We just sit here and friggin' talk. We shoot the shit and you can record from home, your office, the park, a bathroom stall at work. It doesn't matter. He provides a complete podcast studio. All you need is a microphone and you're good. Alan caters to your schedule and gives you a producer for your show at your beck and call. He has been super flexible with our schedule. Whenever we need him, we go to Google Calendar. We just book him. And he does all the hard work. It's like so incredibly easy. That's why it's probably called Pretty Easy Podcast. So be heard and have some fun podcasting like us. Go to prettyeasypodcast.com today. 